Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. I've heard a number of stories from people who have claimed to have died and come back to life. I talked with one woman just a few months ago who claimed to have died six times. And there are books and movies that, that claim this as well. You know, we tend to have a fascination with uh, miracles, not only of this type, but, but all miracles. And the popular opinion is that if we can, if we can see or point to a modern-day miracle, well, that would make our faith more sure, uh, more reliable, more, we'd, we'd have more confidence in it. And while we can't categorically deny any of these things, uh, we do, after all, believe in the supernatural. God is super or above the natural. So we can't deny that these things have happened, so, uh, including uh, testimonies of other miraculous things. They, they very well may have happened. However, this account in Scripture that we have before us, the account of the rich man and Lazarus, completely directs us away from such things for proof of our eternal life. And it directs us to something more sure. More sure. And you might be thinking, well, what, what can possibly be more sure than someone actually experiencing it, seeing it, or feeling it? And the answer is, Word of God. And it seems like an obvious answer, but when the rubber hits the road for us in our everyday lives, this, this is not where we turn our attention. We trust what we can see or, or touch or taste or hear or even smell. And this is the reason we're, we're so drawn to, to the miraculous things that we can see and sense. We trust our senses over and above the Word of God. We, we judge God's love for us on the basis of what we can sense. So the way that I know that, that God loves me is that well, He gives me what I want, those things that I want, those things that I can see, and He takes away those bad things that, that, I, that I don't want to see. But the problem is with our senses, we always want more. You know, like a mouse that's given a cookie or a moose who's given a muffin, uh, we always want more. They end up becoming our gods. In our everyday lives, we consider what we see or experience to be more sure, more reliable, more accurate, more acceptable than the Word of God. And if that's true in our everyday lives, then, then, then what, how, how would we suddenly think that it would be enough, that God's Word would be, would be enough when it comes to our eternal life? No, the Word of God can't be enough. This is the problem with the rich man in Luke 16. There's two men in the story Jesus tells, the, the rich man uh, who is never named, and the poor man, Lazarus, whose name means God has helped. And the contrast between the rich man and, and Lazarus couldn't be more stark. Everything the rich man experienced in his Earthly life was awesome. He was dressed in fine linen and, and clothed in purple, which 
In those days, purple was a color that, that only kings could get. You had to be super rich to be able to wear the color purple. This is the reason why uh, Jesus, when he's on trial before Pontius Pilate, the soldiers mock him by dressing him in a purple robe and calling him king. And any outsider would look at this rich man and, and say, wow, you're blessed. The stuff that you have, God, that, that must be proof that, that you are loved in the sight of God, that you are good in the sight of God. Lazarus, however, was a beggar. He had no home. He laid outside the gate of the rich man. He was covered in sores, and stray dogs licked them. And, uh, these swords were some sign of an illness. We don't know what illness he had, but, but appropriate for our day, as I was doing uh, research on this sermon, uh, this text, I found that during the Black Death epidemic in the Middle Ages, the, the pandemic in the Middle Ages, uh, Lazarus became the patron saint, uh, if you will, of people uh, with the plague. Uh, and maybe you've heard the term lazaretto. Uh, lazaretto is a, a quarantine room in and maybe a, a hospital or, or a, a military camp. Um, this is where it comes from, from Lazarus, uh, who was the patron saint of people with the plague. And the point is, everything Lazarus experienced in his life couldn't be any worse. Couldn't be any worse. And they both die. The rich man goes to hell. Lazarus goes to heaven. Right here, a lot of people think that the, the point of Jesus' story is that this is a plea for Christians to help those who are poor. And, and to be poor means, well, that you're going to heaven, and to be rich, if you have a lot of money, well, that means you're, you're going to hell. That's not Jesus' point. And besides, who, who's Lazarus taken up to heaven to? Who, who's, whose side is he at? Abraham. Abraham is, the, from what we know, the second richest man in all of Scripture. The point is not riches, but how easy it is for us to make our senses, those things that we experience and, and feel and see and touch, to make those things our gods. Consider how the rich man had made his senses his gods when he gave everything to them. Our senses always want more. They always drive us to what God has not given us, and they always want more. And because the rich man gave everything to his senses, there wasn't anything left to give to poor Lazarus, who laid at his gate. It's a great temptation for anyone, who, uh, no matter how much money you may have. On the other hand, consider how Abraham, rich Abraham, was called to give up everything for the sake of his faith even his son. And, and by faith he believed the word of God and received everything back, even his son back as if from the dead. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Great Divorce, uh, sends up this uh, fantastical scene or scenario between heaven and hell, almost like the conversation between Abraham and the rich man. And, and C.S. Lewis shows that those who are, are sent to hell are not those who we just might consider to be really big sinners, um, but those who, who just couldn't let go of something. It might be a particular lust or pleasure or, or even good things, like someone's honor or, or reputation or value 
or honor or occupation, their self-worth or, or person they loved in this world, loving things or people or even themselves rather than God who loved them first and gave those things to them. And so they go to hell, and previously every pleasurable thing that they previously took uh, comfort and pleasure in, now has, hell has moved backwards, and, and those things are now torturous to them. And so it is for the rich man, through his love or lack thereof, he showed who his God or gods really were. He tells Abraham to send Lazarus back from the dead, to warn his five brothers. The early church theologian, uh, Jerome, actually sees in these five brothers that they represent the man's five senses. Uh, sight, smell, taste, touch, hearing. He says, these are the brothers to whom you were formerly enslaved. And since they were the brothers you loved, you could not love your brother Lazarus. And the rich man is still enslaved to them. Because Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Moses and the prophets, the, in other words, the word of God. They have the word of God. Let them hear the word of God. Abraham is in heaven by the word of God. And he's speaking the word of God. He can't be lying. The word of God is the only thing that can convert. But the rich man argues with Abraham. He says, no, no, that's not enough. That can't be enough. Just think of how foolish, how incredibly foolish the rich man is. Here he is in hell, witnessing the proof of what Abraham is saying is true, completely true. The word of God is enough. It actually did save Lazarus, not to mention Abraham, but the rich man says, no, that can't be enough. You need to spice it up. You need to give people what they want. You need to give people some proof, something they can see or smell or taste or touch or hear. Abraham says, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. And this is the point. Only the word of God can create faith. Only the word of God. The word of God is more powerful, more sure, more effective than any miracle, even someone rising from the dead. Jesus, it's worth noting, Jesus is, is speaking this story to Pharisees. Who, who don't believe in him. They think they're good enough already. They don't think they need this stuff. Shortly after this, Jesus will actually raise another Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, after four days. And the Pharisees are right there. The Pharisees will see this. They will see it happen. They will sense it happen. And they will still not believe in Jesus. Because the next thing they do is stir up the crowd have Jesus crucified. They will not believe even if someone rises from the dead. Because they can't let go of their false gods. As Ephraim the Syrian, a theologian uh, from the 300s, famously said, 
it's not the case that all those living are alive or that all those buried are dead. It's not the case that all those living are alive or that all those buried are dead. The rich man looked alive but really was dead. Lazarus looked, looked pretty dead even in this life. And even after he was dead, was completely alive. And this shows to us just, just how corrupt our senses really are. As we're saying in our opening hymn, all our knowledge, sense, and sight lie in deepest darkness shrouded. Our senses are corrupt. We cannot trust them to tell us what's good. We cannot trust them to, to know what we should love. We can't save ourselves by for, forsaking uh, pleasures or, or our senses, and, and we aren't capable of knowing or believing in God on our own. We need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit to break through our cold, dead, dark hearts with the beams of truth, the Word of God. And so we pray always, sanctify us by the truth. Your Word is truth. It alone creates faith. Because I cannot by my own reason or strength or senses, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. This was the faith of Lazarus. Lazarus didn't rely on his senses, he relied on the word. The apostles and prophets, Moses and the prophets, the word of God, the same word that we hear, we hear Moses and the prophets and the apostles still speak to us. And through them, along like Lazarus, we learn and believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and Jesus has forgiven all of our sins. And Jesus' story of Lazarus shows to us one more thing that the Word of God gives that our senses can't. Comfort in every need, hope in our last moments, and peace even when dying. There's nothing that our senses can do when we're nearing death. Death is terrifying for both Christians and non-Christians because it's outside of what we've experienced or ever can experience or sense. We can't sense it. It's so unknown. But here, through his word, God gives us the most beautiful picture, the most beautiful picture of what happens to believers when they die. Angels carried Lazarus to Abraham's side. Angels carried Lazarus to Abraham's side. Think about this. When you are near death, or when one you love, is near death, or after, even after they've died. Death may seem terrifying. It may seem and sense and feel terrible. We might wish for our loved one to be with us again. But the angels that you cannot see or sense have carried them to Abraham's side. And soon the same thing will happen to you. The angels will come to bear you home. 
on our death, but everything else will pass away. But the word of our God endures forever. And so we pray, grant that we, thy word, may trust and obtain true consolation while we here below must wander till we sing thy praises yonder. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.